This is Sean Smithgall and Taylor Stuber, your host of the PGT Podcast. This is the podcast where we explore different topics related to postgraduate training preparation for pharmacy students. Through our series, we hope to give a down-to-earth, enticing discussion on how to prepare for postgraduate training application. We have a guest speaker with us today. Our guest is Dr. Rachel Leigh. She's a fellow at USA Family Medicine. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Rachel. Good to be here. Your second podcast. I know. I'm a regular. (laughs) We're just going to roll them out. So our session today is brought to you by the PGT Daily Trivia. So my question for you two, what is the rainiest city or the wettest city in the United States? Come on. That's not a hard question. Seattle, right? What? Where is he from? <laughs> you guys blab about this constantly whenever I complain about the rain here. <laughs> yeah, so you had insider information. Taylor says Seattle. What do you say? It's Mobile. It's Mobile, Taylor. Mobile, it is, Alabama. It actually Mobile compete, Alabama? It competes every year with Seattle. You know where the phrase, it doesn't rain, it pours? That's us. Seattle's more like this misty rain that's annoying. Just so much worse. My second guess was going to be Portland, but I guess I'm way <laughs> off. No, it's good old Mobile. Um, all right. Anyway, the topic today is interviewing. Interviewing for postgraduate training opportunities. Yeah. So just picture this. You've, you've applied to all of your programs and they've gotten back to you. And now you have these interviews kind of looming over your head. What's your all's first thought whenever you get that acceptance that you can interview there? And now what do you do? How do you prepare? What kind of things are you thinking about? First thing you think about is transportation. So one of my interviews, I had to buy a plane ticket and get a hotel and rent a car. So I took care of that pretty quickly once I scheduled it. And then prepping for questions that you get. You can actually, I actually found Uh, this really helpful. You can find PDFs of commonly asked interview questions. And a lot of them will include like a hundred different ones. And you can look at a couple different ones. They overlap some, but not entirely. And a lot of those questions I didn't get, but they helped me structure my preparation because sometimes an answer to one question can more or less be an answer to another question. I agree. Start looking at questions. Start really researching this site because you're thinking, I got to know, I got to know everything there is to know about this place. So y'all mentioned uh, that you looked at those PDFs and we'll, we'll provide those uh, for you in the, in the links, but what, what kinds of things did you do to prepare for those questions? Did you, did you write stuff down? Did you practice answering those or how did, how did you go about preparing for answering those questions? I started by having all of the questions in a Word document and then just typing out sort of bullet points of my thoughts. I had a professor who implored me to write out every single answer to every single question. And that's just personally not my style. She had a point. What I found more helpful was once I had an idea was practicing saying it out loud. I, find, I found that essential. And I actually uh, recorded myself on the voice recordings on the app. Uh, which I didn't even end up going back to very much, but I found it helpful to listen so that I could tell when I was using filler words and where, because you don't want to sound too scripted, but also you want to have your thoughts be focused and have an efficient answer. Yeah, I always learn stuff the hard way. You'll hear them say, try to interview somewhere that you're not that interested in as your first interview to kind of get the interview jitters out of the way, because you're going to probably screw up that first interview. So that was me. 
on my only interview was <laughs> screwing it up. Uh, I didn't practice. I retrospectively, I could tell you, I wish, I wish I had gone over scenarios in my head for the situational type questions because those are always the hardest. Where I sit there and I come up with a good five core examples of things that I can use for multiple questions. Like there's maybe one experience I had that could be used to answer the what's my what's the time I didn't agree with somebody? What's the time I struggled with something? What's the time I overcame something? Okay, I have this one good scenario that I can warp to answer that question. And practicing delivering that question, answering how you grew, and going through like the star method, uh, and going through like the whole question so I can develop a story and really answer it. So I didn't do any of that. And that is why I guarantee my interview was absolutely horrible because I did not practice. I did not say those things in my head. And so I just like blabbered on until I felt like I had talked long enough. And then I just stopped talking. So Sean, you bring up a really good point. Uh, not about you blabbering or anything, but about, <laughs> about, those situational type questions. Those are some of the hardest questions to answer. And I remember being really nervous to kind of answer those. And so what my suggestions and what I tell students and is think, start thinking about those types of situations where you're having to encounter a difficult situation or you're having to go outside your comfort zone. Start writing those down now when you're on rotations. And I think the more situations that you can have to kind of keep in mind and remember, you can pull from later. And then when, you, when I started preparing for interview questions, I would just, I had a list of situations and then I would think about how to answer a certain question with a specific situation and how I could mold it in that way. And that's how I kind of prepared for, for some of those questions. So what do you all think? When you're actually there interviewing and you're answering those questions and you're you're with with the preceptors and the program directors and the other residents, how do you sell yourself and how are you confident in your an answers, but avoiding some of that arrogance and, and cockiness that we sometimes see in applicants? I think it's important to practice to have confidence. At least that was helpful for me because if you feel comfortable with what you're saying, you know, it's some questions that you sort of anticipated, then you're not going to get thrown off too much by questions. I mean, there's probably always going to be a couple that are worded a little differently. Or I think I had a question once that was like, tell me about a mistake you made. It's just like a little aggressively straightforward, or it might have even been, been worse than that. Anyway, um, so you'll get thrown off, but being prepared helped me be confident but then I think also smiling you know if someone cracks a joke laugh I don't know how to say don't be arrogant but don't be that person don't feel that yeah that's <laughs> I was struggling with that too I'm glad you answered first I think one thing I try to do is try to be practical and humble when I'm talking about the things I did and really tailor down to my tone of voice that I'm using so I sound just kind of like matter of fact and like, oh yeah, I did these things versus I did this and I put this together and it was so good. They wanted, you know, generally how you're talking. I think if you practice with, like Rachel was saying, I think if you practice answering those questions, you can practice your confidence yet still be humble about it. And I think that those are the best interviewers or the people that can do that. So I do, I do want to touch briefly on interview day etiquette. What's appropriate? What's inappropriate? How should you dress? How should you interact with the residents? What are, what are y'all's thoughts? I definitely don't wear jeans. 
Oh my God. I think with etiquette, you need to real, my, my one take home point is that you're on the interview the whole time. From the moment you step into that place, from the moment you leave, you are interviewing. So don't let your guard down and feel like you're in a comfortable situation. Like you're going on a tour with the residents. Don't feel like, oh, this, we can talk our real, we can say what we really think and say like, you don't really do this, do you? Or you don't really have to work that hard. Like they were telling me in that one interview. So you need to treat it all like you're being interviewed because the truth of the matter is you are being interviewed the entire time you're there. So you need to be professional the entire time you're there, even with the residents, even if somebody else you're interviewing with had like a student rotation there and they're just cutting it up with the resident. That doesn't mean you should then cut it up with the resident. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to say. My advice is to show up early. I think most of them have multiple residency interviews on the same day. So you're probably going to see the other candidates enthusiastically say hi to them, introduce yourself, shake their hand, even though in some ways they are the enemy in your competition. That is not the mindset you should have on the outside. <laughs> yeah, don't show your true feelings. What do you think, Taylor? What was what are your take-home points from your etiquette? That's yeah, those are great points. Um, one of the things that always rubbed me the wrong way was going on those interviews, and you could tell students who are too comfortable, and you should always have a, a sense of discomfort in in an interview. Um, these aren't your peers yet. Hopefully that's the, that's the case in the future, but the people that feel too comfortable and oftentimes people that have done student rotations at that site, they think they can just kind of slack off and, and, and be kind of a little bit unprofessional with, with some of the residents. And that can really rub the program directors and preceptors the wrong way and other candidates that way. And they're also looking to see how you're going to interact with other candidates as well. So I, I think that that's something to really keep in mind to really be on your game in terms of being on, on a professional behavior, even when you're just talking to residents and maybe, maybe they were in the class above you and you, you're friends with them. You still need to kind of show them that respect and realize that there's other people on the interview as well. Yeah. Don't get that entitlement just because you were a student there. So what happens if you're, you're, you know, you're in the interview and they ask you some off the wall question that you don't know the answer to, or you don't have an answer to, what, what do you all think about how you should handle that? Well, if you've never had that experience, I would say I haven't had that experience, but this is how I would handle it. But if it's an experience that you've maybe had, but you can't think of something right away, I think it's okay to take 10 seconds, but don't take too long. Say, oh, can I think about this for a minute? So absolutely. That's my, I don't know if that's the right answer. But no, that's no, no. Pa- how I, agree. I would approach pa- it. Pause and think. But what if it was like a knowledge-based question or a clinical question you didn't know the answer to? Well, I know that the right answer sometimes is asking if you can look it up. But I didn't get a lot of clinical questions, so I'm not really sure how I would approach that. Well, yeah, they're not as common, but it. Um, I got a case-based one sure. in one of my interviews, and the other one didn't have any. Yeah, but you. I think you made a good point. Is that it? by asking to look it up, you're admitting that you don't know the answer. And I think that's key is admitting when you don't know the answer, but identifying where, like, I can I look this up? Do you have this resource? Because you would do something about it, but also, I mean, they're not expecting you to know everything. Yeah. I mean, I would hope that if it's an easy question, it might be a red flag if you don't know the answer. Yeah. And I think even like you were saying, Sean, like if you know where to look the answer up, say, oh, I just need to look at the such and such guidelines to, to find that answer. 
just knowing that, I think they would, you know, they, they appreciate you not trying to spout off the answer that you're not confident in. So last, last thing, um, after the interview's over, what's your all's thoughts? And I know we talked about this maybe a little bit in our previous episode about following up with programs after residency showcases, but what are your all's thoughts about following up with your interviewers, residency program directors after interviews? How, how should that be done? Should it be done? Um, what time frame? Things like that. If I said I didn't want to follow up or it was, you know, if I'm on the fence about following up at the showcase with the interview, I'm more so wanting to follow up because you don't have very many of these. This is the same thing where I say if you're doing business cards and you're writing down or you're taking notes, write down a couple notes about everybody you interviewed with and try to put that in some sort of follow up thing. Now, I think I emailed when I think back because it was a hospital system I was interviewing at. I didn't trust the hospital mail system. And I wanted more of an immediate thing. And I emailed everybody separately that I interviewed with, residents, program directors, to let them know and follow up with a couple points. I also did email. I did the same thing also where I emailed everyone that I talked to, or I tried to. One of the programs, I think I actually emailed their resident and asked her for emails for some of the people that I didn't have. I also liked this program a lot better, so I was going extra. Um, But I emailed every single person, just so you know, polite thanking them. Then the other program, I think I didn't have all of the emails, but I emailed the people that I did have their emails. And then in my email to the pharmacy manager, I just kind of said, offer my thanks to the like the pharmacy staff that I also spoke to or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's okay to be a little bit extra sometimes and go that extra mile and uh, do what you can to, to make a good impression. Well, I think that's all the time that we have today. Thank you all for listening and tuning into this episode of the PGT podcast.